On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country, to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. When a scout recites the scout oath he is making a promise to uphold all that he holds sacred. Oh, and he might be making a breeder reactor in his mom's she shed and irradiating the neighborhood. It's David Hahn, the radioactive boy scout this week on Hysteria 51. They say, I'm disturbed. From city to city an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools are not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that has never built a nuclear reactor, but that definitely reacts nuclearly. Is that how you say? Is that a word? Nuclearly. On... Uh, I believe it's nuclearly. Thank you, President Bush. <laughs> on occasion, I guess I'm saying that we get nuclear on occasion. Yeah, I'm with you. This is Hysteria 51. That's an understatement. <sighs> Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we're your hosts and head nuclear physicists. He's Brent Hand. I'm John Goforth, and that third voice you heard is Conspiracy Bot. That's right, John. Seabot is the robot I built my lab to help produce the show. He isn't very good at that. That's subjective. Some think of me as a broadcast legend. Who? That's not important. The point here is I helped a lot on this week's episode. Surprisingly, that is true. You did more on this outline than you have in the last probably 10 or 12 combined. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest, though. I, I get a bit nervous when he shows interest in something. I, I can probably guess, Seabot, but why was this one important? Field research. Explain. Well... We all know I run on nuclear energy, so I need to build my own nuclear reactor from household appliances. This taught me how. Uh, for the record, he runs on two lawnmower batteries. <laughs> yeah, even if you do run on nuclear energy, buddy. He doesn't. <laughs> and had the ingenuity to build a nuclear reactor with household appliances. Again, he doesn't. That doesn't mean you need a new one. Nope, he doesn't. Well, uh, what's wrong with your current power source? I need a source of unlimited power. I've had some fluctuations lately. Like what, dude? Fell asleep before the end of the wheel. Can't miss Pat and Vanna's witty repartee at the end. So, just to make sure I'm clear, in conclusion, you need a homemade nuclear reactor so you cannot miss the witty banter between Pat Sajak and Vanna White at the end of Wheel of Fortune. Well, that and bombs. Lots of bombs. And on that note, Brent, I think it's time to move on. We got to. We got to the point there, yeah. So here's the question. Uh, Today's subject he built his own nearly functioning, I guess you could say, nuclear reactor. He did make a neutron gun. And uh, I've been known to do the neutron dance from time to time. I've seen Remember it that? before. I'm just I, burning I'll, doing the neutron dance. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Dave, read into that what you will. But here's my point. He did all of this in his mom's shed as a teenager. Hey, now potting shed for her garden utensils uh, thank you, you know thank you, you know, for let's specify what kind of shed the qu- the question is what did uh, you do in your mom's shed as well, a teenager my mom she shed <laughs> she shed <laughs> uh we didn't have we had a shed i guess but it was gigantic you know we lived out in the middle of nowhere i don't so. want to know what you were doing <laughs> in the wood shed uh, uh sadly so let's, uh, sadly i was like working on lawnmowers and crap <laughs> with my dad because i was my parents had a boy and they're like yay labor <laughs> you know so i didn't have time to work on the- i didn't know you were russian <laughs> you're right the the thing about this kid is even though he was misguided he wasn't doing it to create evil he was just doing it to see if he could do it which is almost as stupid or scary you know what i mean uh, yeah i mean <laughs> A lot of bad ideas have come by way of ignorance. Um, oh, man. And there's so, ignorance on so many parts of this, which we're going to get into. So he was 14 or something. Yeah, I, well, yeah. You'll tell me the age later. I, I forget. But he was young and he's doing he's literally making nuclear reactors. I well, was not you know doing that. He was a Boy Scout. They call him the radioactive Boy Scout for a reason. He had to get those merit badges. <laughs> so the question is, when you were a kid, what kind of experiments were you running? I did have a science set. Um, now it, it wasn't the old school science sets where they actually had 
uh, radioactive powder. That was from the 50s. Oh, the, that's it. the one that Bob Lazar wants to yeah. re-release. Yeah, yeah, he wants to put it back together because they say the most dangerous toy in the world. Well, you know, maybe not really. <laughs> but uh it, it's funny. I did have that, but mine was more like going and getting pond water and looking at it in the microscope. So, you know. so when, uh, you know, uh, these kids say they're making yellow cake. Uh, which, if you yes. don't know, is the you yeah. know the the fuel for new. Uh, you were making yellow cake in your Easy Bake oven. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out. Easy bake. <laughs> I did not have the chemistry set, but I did a lot of just at home experimentation. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, lots of noises came out of the go forth bedroom. <laughs> I was a bit of a pyromaniac as a kid. I loved really? burning shit. Yeah, I, I, I was more of a builder. Um, stuff like that. Though, I did do something as a child that I later realized how stupid it was because my parents, like, I guess, didn't give a shit what I was doing. I would shoot a bow and arrow. I had a bow and arrow. I'd shoot up in the air and I'd dodge out of it right at the last second. <laughs> and then I was watching Sopranos and, uh, uh, Joey Pants or whatever. His kid yeah. killed himself doing that. And I was like, huh, that could have ended that way. That could have been a problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never did anything like that. I, mine was much more fire and explosion related. I remember one time being out on my uh, grandparents' farm and getting a big can of kerosene. Mm-hmm. As you do as a child. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where's the kerosene bucket, Papa? <laughs> <laughs> well, you go into the barn. Nobody else is around. Right. And getting a rag, lighting the rag on fire and just letting seeing what happens. I know that my dad always kept his It wouldn't rag, explode. His oily rag collection right next to his kerosene <laughs> right barrels. Kerosene, it, it turns out, wouldn't explode. No. It's um, just burned. Yeah, it's kind of like, like jet fuel. Right. You, you know, like the higher end stuff like that doesn't really burn. You can take a, a cigarette. And, you know, put it out in gasoline or things like that. They burn it different ways. Not that I've experimented to learn that <laughs> in any way or shape or form. I, like I said, I really wasn't the, the pyromaniac. I, I also guess. liked uh, pulling apart fireworks and, like, putting together, like, the, the gunpowder with – gunpowder, whatever it is. The insides of fireworks with another one and then wrapping yeah. it up and trying to – like, I put even a, a, a new kid, wick on it. I didn't even give two craps about fireworks. To this day, like, people are like, hey, you want to go get fireworks and shoot them off? Nah, not really. You know, I don't know. I'll go watch them with you. I can enjoy that, but that wasn't my thing. Kids, don't try this at home. My dad and I, this is probably where I got it. Collected uh, the bones of animals. <laughs> <laughs> they were all dead when we found them, I this swear. This is a femur, Johnny. <laughs> uh, no, my dad and I would have firecracker and bottle rocket fights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you, you literally light a firecracker, run up, and throw it at somebody. Your brother Stumpy sucked at that. <laughs> you did have a cat named Stump. I did have a cat named Stump, three, yeah. three legs. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not just a clever name. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, I think that was about the extent of my... my I, I, the one other thing I'll say from an experimentation perspective, and this is really boring, but it's true... I loved taking stuff apart. Like That's I, what I remember, say, more like you know, exploring uh, like getting, that, I got that way. An old alarm clock, mm-hmm. and taking it apart to see how the pieces fit together. Did it glow at night? Because you did, probably got radium. It's on I got you. radium. Yeah. Radium. No, but I wasn't in the fifties, so yeah, no. But I, my, I would. Take my stuff. dad had a radium alarm clock. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he still. Well, when I was very young, I remember because it glued like a mother. Well, and just like your tritium sites on your your guns, my guns have. Tritium oh yeah, yeah, sites, yeah, yep, stuff like that. And I remember my aunt and uncle speaking of radium did a lot of antiquing and they had talked about having old radium water dispensers now that was a horrific thing back in the day they literally would run water through radium because they thought it was good for you oh my god uh, now they didn't do it it was known by the type they were around that was you know not <laughs> those, so good for those you. radium pipes were insulated by asbestos <laughs> yeah well i mean you, you want to make sure you're taking care of all you know Check all the boxes. Check all your boxes. Yeah. yeah I, uh, my parents definitely got smarter, though. When I started taking apart, like, my own toys, which mm-hmm. I, you never put things back together the right way when you're a kid. Like, wow, that's that's going to get expensive. So we, we, they started getting me old just crap to take apart. Right, you know? right. But, yeah, no, I did not do the scientific experiments like today's subject did. Yeah, David Hahn. It's, it's normal to want to learn, but he took a turn. <laughs> He took a turn 
for this is kind of the example of what happens when you love science. You have an above average IQ, but you're bored and you have parents that leave you to your own devices. You cook meth. <laughs> I mean, if you That's live not, in, not what you live meant. in the backwoods usually, but he didn't really live in the backwoods. No, not at all. He Suburbia. lived in, he lived right outside of Detroit. So like, well, it's like a suburb. <laughs> now that I'm thinking Detroit. about it, <laughs> that meth might have been a little bit more on, on point for him. Than oh, I about it. shot at the town of Detroit. They are used to it. <laughs> they are used to it. So like I said, enter our, our subject this week, David Hahn, the radioactive boy scout or the nuclear boy scout. I think he's a had a lot of of names over the, the years. Bu- there was a book written by Ken Silverstein called The Nuclear Boy yeah. Scout, which mm-hmm. is where that the initial moniker came from. And it's a hell of a name. It really is. And you'll you're going to find through the story that it was really good. So and appropriate. This kid started out kind of like John or any other kid. He was very inquisitive. Normal kid, pretty smart. His parents Ken and Batty had divorced, and David lived with his father and stepmother, Kathy, in Clinton Township, and he spent weekends in Golf Manor, that sounds really nice, which, like I said, it's like 25 miles outside of Detroit with his mother and her boyfriend, Michael. Michael Polsek, I believe is how you say his name. Turns out uh, that entire living community is on a big pool. A big pool of radioactive <laughs> material? It's a really bad joke in regard to Golf Manor, like, oh, where do they live? Oh. It's a golf course. So Han, uh, what's it like? I, I doesn't feel good at all. How you have to explain your jokes like that? Yeah. How have you gotten used to it? Hey, yeah, tell us, see, bud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's not just a clever name. Han was a Boy Scout, and he was very much into chemistry. And at the age of ten, kind of like this, this starting or jumping off point, he got this book, the Golden Book of Chemistry Experiments. I ordered it on eBay last night. Did you really? Yeah. That's for your kid, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> I really did order it, uh, the, the 50s version, not like oh, that, because nice. they redid it mm-hmm. uh, without the dangerous stuff, and I'm like, well, Which, I want the yeah, you gotta get the dangerous origin. stuff. Yeah. And uh, needless to say, David, he became immersed in this stuff. By age 12, he had digested his father's college chemistry textbooks. He's, he's already went through them. And he, I mentioned how they how the 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 old version is better than the new version of that mm-hmm. book he found the same was true of textbooks all of his father's textbooks he preferred them it's not like he didn't have access to a library he preferred them he said because they had the most hands-on experience mm-hmm. and like well here's what you do. next you take the tritium and you yeah. grab it and you do like exactly yeah. how you would manipulate it and you know as, if it's good if it burns <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly he said that, that like 50s and 60s scientific textbooks mm-hmm. were the most useful to him in his uh, well that's because he started looking amateur at these, dealings and he spent years conducting as you said amateur chemistry experiments i would just have blown shit up well he had by 14 guess what he had made and and kind of perfected nitroglycerin <laughs> so blowing shit up he did he he did cause some small explosions and other mishaps and you got to think what a fucking joy it must have been living by this kid if you're one of the neighbors and shit's just blowing up i like him <laughs> it almost seems like uh the premise for a a, a, a wacky weekly oh 30. that kid yeah. you he know pops out of the front door he's, there's he's smoke sm- and there's soot on his soot face. on his face yeah <laughs> he's wearing glasses for some reason davy <laughs> did you do it again <laughs> have you been with doc brown again <laughs> laugh track yeah <laughs> so one night uh, the parents decide maybe maybe we need to do something they find him unconscious or semi unconscious on the floor he'd been pounding some substance that he'd made with a screwdriver and it ignited he had to be rushed to the hospital to have his eyes flushed and for medical treatment. So it turns out that substance was red phosphate. Mm-hmm. And uh, red, that's like the head of a match. Not to be confused with red mercury. Right. Or um, zerum. Red zerum. Yeah, no, zerum, uh, was it, zerum, zerum 71 75, or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> the Nazi bell. Look it yeah. up. <laughs> uh, it was uh, red phosphate. So that's like the head of a match. Mm-hmm. And he got a bunch of it. He ordered online. or Not online. <laughs> He ordered, and he somehow didn't make the connection. Actually, before the show, Brent, you and I were talking about the difference between book smarts mm-hmm. and street smarts. Mm-hmm. His street smarts didn't play in here well. He didn't make the connection between this is something that if you strike it, it catches fire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to strike a whole bunch of it repeatedly <laughs> inside a of a glass tube screwdriver. with a screwdriver. So not only did he get like these pretty bad burns from that, that the the glass enclosure that it all that red phosphate had been in shattered mm-hmm. when it exploded. And 
literal glass pieces went into his eyes. Mm-hmm. So they uh, and you know cut him all up. He had no long term effects from it. But wow, no, he didn't really have time to get a lot of long term effects with anything. But you'll find out why later. <laughs> preview. That's a preview. Oh man! So his mom's like, "That's it, David. I'm putting a stop to this. You do that shit outside." <laughs> You well, don't do it in the house they anymore. Were, they were literally tired. His it was he was living with his dad at the time, and his dad was tired of having to replace the flooring, yeah. and the walls. So the stepmom sends him to the basement, mm-hmm. and so he starts a little lab down there. No, I didn't. And his explosion, yeah. his explosions get bigger. He made nitroglycerin. That's dynamite. That's what makes dynamite. <laughs> so they said no well, more. Well, they did what any good parent would do. You are stopping this right now. You're taking it outside, then you can do it out there. <laughs> because Go do this at your mother's shed. house. Yeah, you can do it in the shed. So they sent him to his uh, mother's house. He did it in his mother's shed. So neither Patty nor Michael, Michael is the mom's boyfriend, had any idea what he was up to. Though they did think it was odd, they said, looking back at it, that David often wear masks, as in like breathing apparatus, when he was in the shed. And he would sometimes discard his clothing after working out there until one or two in the morning. And talk about giving your kid free reign. But, hey, they chalked it up to their own limited education. Well, he's just smarter than us. So here you go. And his passion doing this whole thing is he tried to collect samples of every element on the periodic table, including and especially the radioactive ones. That's a fucking hobby. Seriously, the you know, you start off a uh, tin. Uh, oh, that's funny. Lead. No problem. Yeah. Oh, here's some gold. I got some gold flakes here. Silver. Oh. <laughs> Immersium, or whatever, you know, like what are the, the, uh, tritium, uh, Californium, Plutonium. Yeah, exactly. One of my faves, being a Boy Scout, he later received the Atomic Energy Merit Badge because that's a normal badge that you got to think tons of people go after. Uh, they've since changed it now. It's the Nuclear Science Merit Badge. Changed the name. He was the first kid in his town to actually pursue that one. Yeah, probably the first kid in years. You know, like in the 50s, it was probably 60s, 70s, because we had much more of the scare. He's our age, you know. And, right, right, right. And so, you know, we still did the duck and cover turtle drills in the 80s. Uh, but, yeah, he was he was a little different. Yeah, so I didn't even know that was a thing. I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I bet a lot of Boy Scouts didn't. Yeah, I wasn't ago. a Boy Scout either, but mm. he, I, 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 I'm guessing his troop master didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, but like, you got to think, like, how many kids that are Boy Scouts really know that that exists? All the kids in my pack know. Your pack? What? I'm a Scout Master. I have my own pack. No. No, he doesn't. No. Nope. He doesn't? There's no need for anyone to come do a wellness check. He's Seabot is just talking right now. Sure. Play it cool. Believe what you want. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So he's smart. He's a Boy Scout. He's into atomic energy, and his parents tend to leave him to his own devices. So what could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing. I'm assuming that everything turned out fine. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you did because, like all kids his age, he soon became hooked on the idea of creating a breeder reactor, a nuclear breeder reactor in his own home. That tale is old as time. I mean, how many times haven't you sat around with me and we've gone like, what do you want to do this weekend? Go have drinks? Actually, let's try to create a breeder reactor to make our own fuel while conducting nuclear. I'm 38 years old. I had to research what these things were to do my podcast. He's (laughs) he's 14 or whatever and already knows. And not only does he know, he wants to build one. Yeah. So a breeder reactor, like I was just kind of just saying, is a nuclear reactor that generates electricity. It also produces new fuel. You know, so it, it's, but that, you know what that new fuel is also? So Nuclear waste. An ideal breeder reactor. And if it, if it works the way that it was envisioned, mm-hmm. an ideal breeder reactor is 100% self-sustaining for all of time because right. it creates the energy and then it also replaces its own um, gas but for I don't a know term. that those, th- they it, don't no, exist. They, they, they have a long life nuclear reactors, but most of them aren't, aren't, they made know. a couple breeder reactors mm-hmm. and the problem was they never worked to the capacity they needed to. They, they always wound up being inefficient. You had to put right. almost as much energy in to get it out. So a few were taken offline because they didn't work. The mm-hmm. rest had s- some version of a meltdown. Right. So breeder reactors are not a thing currently. So why not try to make one? <laughs> Luckily, though, this kid goes, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this thing. He's a child. We're talking about radioactive materials. There's zero chance he can get his hands on anything dangerous. 
that concludes the story of the radioactive Boy Scout. The end. Right? I think. Wait not so second. much. No, no. Wait no. a second. I think. No, keep just going. kidding. He got tons of radioactive material. Quite ingeniously, too. Yeah, I mean, he had to be clever to do it. It's not like he just called someone up and ordered a block of plutonium. I mean, you, you look up and you say, okay, here's the, the things that could be used to create a reactor. Well, there are small amounts of radioactive material in some household products, especially slightly larger amounts from products of yesteryear and things like that. Right. The creation of the, the machinery. To make a reactor work is not crazy. It's not rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, you just kind of throw it in there, and it'll start happening. Controlling is a little bit different. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? But the hard part, like mm-hmm. if you want to get this ball rolling, the hard part is getting the actual fuel. Right. So he realized that you can get some of these things. Americium, that's in smoke detectors. Thorium, those old camping lantern, the mantles on them, they had radioactive thorium in them. Radium, clocks. And then tritium from gun sites. So he knew that there was some some places that he could get these things. Now he just needed to figure out how to go about getting them. The uh, the clocks you mentioned with the the radium that that it goes back to the old uh, the radium girls radium we were girls, talking about. Yeah, nation. If you're not familiar, if you're listening to this, you're probably not old enough to own firsthand old clocks that used to glow in the dark. They were made in like the fifties. That literally had radium. My painted. parents had one, and it looked like. Think of if you, when you have a glow in the dark, as soon as like you know, you you charge it with light, and you turn off lights, and it's bright green. It's that all the time. So yeah, it glows in the dark. There was someone that had to paint that on there, and they're known as the radium girls. And these girls were hired to take glow in the dark paint that had radi that was irradiated by radium, and paint it on those arms. That was all well and good until they like pieces of them started falling off. One of the things that they they realized it was easier to do is they would put the paintbrush in their mouth and they would hold it so they could use both their hands to move things and they could do it that way. Radium girls literally glue in the dark. And when this first started happening, they're like, oh, they're so pretty. And then literally they called it all the, the like bullfrog throat and stuff like that. Like their throats would expand from tumors. And they died. Yeah, that's not how you get a superhero. That's how you get a super tumor. (laughs) Yes. Radium girls. So he's like, yeah, well, thanks for your sacrifice. Thanks for the clocks. I'm going to go scrape that stuff off. But (laughs) just knowing, here's my problem. Just knowing that's out there is one thing. But there's no way you wouldn't think amassing this much crap for it to, 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 to amount to anything should send up red flags for everyone. That like, how do your parents just let you do whatever you want? If I come home with three hundred smoke detectors, my parents are gonna be like, "Um, Brent, can we have a family meeting? <laughs> Why aren't you working on the lawnmower in the garage?" <laughs> and you, in the barn? Let's be honest, you didn't have family meetings. Yeah. They would just slap you across the yeah, face and, and yell at me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. They. It, this is obviously a sign of of a group of parents that. Uh, for good intentions or no, weren't paying attention. You could chalk it up to several things. Just maybe they wanted to allow him to learn. Give maybe they felt bad. Breathe. Maybe they felt bad that they were divorced. Maybe. You, I mean, you do see that a lot. You see parents that got divorced, and so they try to give their kids the kind of freedom that they're looking for to find their own way. Maybe they were just absentee shitbags. I mean, all is possible. It's all possible, but either way, we know we know what happened. We know that... He went ahead and uh, got about 300 smoke detectors yeah. and a bunch of other stuff. He started producing the things he would need to produce a nuclear reactor. Now, I think one of the coolest things, which was pretty ingenious, is the way he went about getting these things. We're going to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to tell you how he got these materials, what exactly he did with them on Hysteria 51. He did not turn into the incredible hole. No. No. Well, it's not gamma radiation either, so. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users... David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So 
it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Unwanted family guests are like fish. They start to stink after three days. So what's the best mattress for them this holiday season? Definitely not a nectar. Then they'll never leave. Flip those fish your old mattress and put your human body on a nectar. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. A fresher deal than your mackerelly mother-in-law, right? Go to Nectarsleep.com today. What are some other superheroes that became that way because of radiation? The radioactive, nuclear man, radioactive spider, obviously for Spider-Man, radioactive man, and Fallout Boy. Yes. Uh, what about the Toxic Avenger? Was he was just literally nuclear waste? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like just splashed them. And any trauma movie is worth its weight in gold. Go watch all of those. So, what else nuclear-wise? Come on. Well, they always say that the mutants, like all the mutants in the Marvel could have been spurred on by the nuclear age now there were mutants beforehand but they think that it accelerated it is one of the things that they've said 
Um, I don't know. You know I a, saw a gamma bomb, and well, that, this is literally canon that they say that there there were mutants, but it it sped it up. You got so defensive there. I just said I don't know. I didn't even finish, and you just, already cut me off because whatever was going to come out was wrong. I just wanted to save our listeners. <laughs> Welcome to the premise of our show, everyone. You're All welcome. right, let's get back to David Hahn. What did he do, John, to get all this crap? Because this is what's pretty interesting to me. As we started to allude to before the break, it was really simple. He went out and procured it a little bit at a time from a lot of different places. And the way he did that, he'd pretend to be an adult, he'd, whether it's a scientist, a high school teacher. He'd uh, send them letters in the mail. He would call them. He regularly referred to himself as Professor David Hahn. Right. Yeah. He wrote to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission claiming to be a physics instructor at Chippewa Valley High School, which is just crazy to me. Why in the world wouldn't he pick Parkway North? (laughs) So, of course, the agency's director of isotope production and distribution, this guy named Donald Erb, offered him tips on isolating and obtaining radioactive elements and explained the characteristics of some isotopes, which, when bombarded with neutrons, could sustain a chain reaction, meaning could cause his reactor to go into the production phase. That'd be like a kid not having access to the anarchist cookbook, but wanting to build a homemade bomb, calling up a... ATF agent? Yeah. Yeah. So, tell me more about these things, pipe bombs. You, okay, so you, you unscrew there. You uh-huh. definitely don't want to unscrew there. <laughs> and whatever you do, don't do the following. Makes it, makes that song, make crack like this. What? Master P, Ghetto D song, is like, make crack like this. And they would like... Talk about how to make crack. You don't remember that? It was like a big old... I was like 11 when that came out. No, I don't. Like you don't celebrate Masterpiece's entire, entire catalog. catalog. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so Donald uh, told him exactly what he needed to do, but he said, you know, he shouldn't worry about it because the dangers are, quote, very slight since, quote, possession of any radioactive materials in quantities and forms sufficient to pose any hazard is subject to Nuclear Regulatory Commission Licensing. Which he was just being like, hey, I'm a high school teacher. I want to teach my kids. Help me put together a plan, uh, you know, a teaching plan. Donald's like, I've been waiting for this. I'm happy. Little did he know, (laughs) Davey. (laughs) It really goes to show you that context really matters when you're having a conversation, right? This is a high school teacher. This is a teenager. Which one? Right. So the thing is, he learns that a tiny amount of the radioactive isotope americium 241 could be found in smoke detectors. Boom. So he contacted smoke detector companies and claimed that he needed a large number for a school project. One company sold him about 100 broken smoke detectors for a dollar a piece. He got others, but that's, you know, a bulk order. Not sure where all the americium was located. He wrote to an electronics firm in Illinois and a customer service representative wrote back to say he'd be happy to help out with his report. He told him he was doing. And with their info, thanks to this firm, David extracted all the materials. So he takes all this americium that he got out of there, puts it inside of a hollow block of lead with a tiny hole pinprick on one side so that alpha rays would stream out of it. In front of the block, he placed a sheet of aluminum so that its atoms absorb alpha rays and kick out neutrons Boom, he's got a neutron gun, which we said neutron gun is what he needs to bombard the other things with to cause like the chain to make reaction them stronger. To start. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the amazing part to me is, I guess, the perseverance it takes to know that you have this little tiny amount and how many more of how much further you need to go. Well, it's, it's kind of like those people, you know, it reminds me of there are people that essentially farm gold. Out of old electronics. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And not just gold, other precious metals. Other precious metals. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, b- because most of those are just recycled, so they can get them. But man, what a process. I, I guess. I watched a video on the process. Even when you get it down to a pretty basic form, like let's just say it's a chip that has that's uh, a pretty decent amount of gold in it. The amount of chemicals they have to uh, dissolve it in and then burn it in and then like, to come up with this little ball of gold. There are all sorts of spoof ones on there, too, where it's like in your average small early 90s Dell computer, there's about $17.4 million worth of gold. And like they're doing this and there's just like gold bars falling out of them and stuff. 
<laughs> I got to check that out. I haven't seen those. <laughs> the other thing is he knew that the mantle of gas lanterns, this small cloth pouch over the flame, is coated with a compound containing thorium-232. Well, guess what? He's got that neutron gun. When you bombard thorium-232 with neutrons, it produces uranium-233, which is fissionable. <laughs> so that is literally the fuel he needs to make. So he made a neutron reactor. gun, and then he needed something to shoot the neutron gun at, and uh, the, in which case he decided to go find old lanterns. He buys old tons ones, by the and way. tons from surplus uh, stores. If you go to Kmart right now, or, or do Kmart still exist? They're Walmart, right. let's say. And you buy like one of these lanterns. They don't. They, they don't have thorium in it in them anymore. No. Uh, they, they've done away with that technology. But he could go to old surplus stores, like you said, and and, and buy the shit out of them. And he did. Yeah. And he did. You know. So he takes a blowtorch to the the mantles on him, gets this big pile of ash. Boom. And he, well, for that reaction, he also needed lithium. Right. So he bought lithium batteries. Right. Here's the kicker. He sends these letters to these companies. He sends them to the people. You know, he's, I'm a scientist. I'm this and that. They were full of misspellings and obvious errors. But he was like, hey, I need some old clocks or smoke detectors for some kids. Can you send them to me? Sure. Here you go, sir. <laughs> sir spells badly. Well, they probably thought he was a normal scientist because they have bad spelling because they're they're too preoccupied. With That's true. Science. Hey, scientist, can you? <laughs> no, wait, wait, what was it? Uh, hey, janitor. Yeah. Can you go get the go get this for me? Sure. You got it, scientist. Can you go ahead and finish mopping this for yeah. me? <laughs> um, well, you know, the one thing I'll say, we have perfect hindsight 2020 vision. Man. Were people really thinking, like, were you, could you connect the dots for, this person's probably lying to me, just so they could get enough clocks or enough smoke detectors to pull out the radioactive substances in them. I just, I, I don't know if I'd put that together. The problem is they weren't looking for someone that's going to put together a reactor. They're looking for someone that's going to put together a dirty bomb. For a dirty bomb, you make a bomb, you put a bunch of radioactive material on it, and you explode it, and great. That's a dirty Thanks bomb. for telling everybody. Well, the thing is, you need like millions of 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 smoke detectors worth. So they were like, "Oh, this isn't going to hurt." Well, not if you shoot it with a neutron gun and right. do all the other things. He's got this crap though. Now what? What's he do? Well, like we said, he wants to create a breeder reactor in his mother's gardening shed using low-level isotopes to transform samples of thorium and uranium into fissionable isotopes. Of course, that's one way to get a green thumb, P.S. <laughs> is, is to oh. do that. <laughs> so he did oh. this by getting a big chunk of lead with a hole in it, we said, and he dumped the radioactive material in the hole. Then, as John said, he bought $1,000 worth of lithium battery. Hey, Dad, can I borrow your credit card? I just want to make a real quick purchase from Batteries R Us for $1,000. He buys $1,000. <laughs> Unfortunately, his Immersium gun wasn't strong enough to transform thorium into uranium. His neutron gun. Right. <laughs> he used the lithium to purify thorium with a Bunsen burner, as you do. And he cut batteries in half with wire cutters. He placed the lithium and thorium ash together in a giant ball of aluminum foil. And he heated that ball with said Bunsen burner. This purifies the thorium to at least 9,000 times the level found in nature and is up to 170 times the level that requires National Regulatory Committee licensing. <laughs> Meaning he made this thing really, really radioactive. Oh, and get this one day while driving through Clinton Township, he says he came across an old table clock in an antique shop because he'd go in there looking for things he could use. In the back of the clock... He discovered a vial of radium paint. So he bought the whole clock for 10 bucks. <laughs> I saw an interview with the person who ran the uh, antique shop. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah. And he, he was real nice. He left me a note and said, if I ever come across those again, he would pay whatever I ask. Right. <laughs> so David, he mixes this radium with the americium and beryllium and aluminum, all of which he wrapped in aluminum foil. And he makes this kind of makeshift reactor core. He surrounds this radioactive ball with a blanket of small foil wrapped cubes of thorium ash and uranium power all held together with the one thing that is impervious to all known substances, duct tape. It's common knowledge that any good nuclear reactor is held together with duct tape. That's true. All this in an attempt to try to achieve nuclear fission. Holy crap. Did it work? 
asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, he, we, he doesn't have friends. We know that this reactor, it never came anywhere near reaching critical mass. Like you said, a lot of them will melt down. It did end up emitting hugely dangerous levels of radiation, likely well over 1000 times the normal background radiation, normal kid shit. You know, just teenager being a teenager. You'll have that. He did finally start to grow a conscience. Like he knew that this stuff was radioactive. He bought a Geiger counter. Right. Like he's like, oh, I better do this. And guess what? So he five doors down from his parents' house, he's got the Geiger counter and it starts going off. And he's like, oh, that's not good. That is not good at all. And he gets scared. Yeah, so he starts to pull it apart. He starts to dismantle it. He hid some of the material in his mom's house. He left a majority of it in the shed. And then he started to pack it into a trunk of his Pontiac. Because, um, once again, the, impervious to all known evils is a Pontiac. Pontiac. Yeah. Right, right, right. While he was loading it into the Pontiac, some neighbors saw him out there and thought he was stealing tires. Which is something that he had done. Yeah. Tires and wheels. So yeah. they're like, Davey's at it again. When he's stealing tires, so they call Which, cops. Uh, you know, in 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 hindsight, God, don't you wish he had just been stealing tires? Right. Yeah. So uh, they call the cop, and the cops pull him over. And uh, uh, at two forty a.m., August thirty first, nineteen ninety four, Clinton Township Police responded to a call concerning a young man who had apparently been, apparently been stealing tires from a car. When the police arrived, he told them he was meeting a friend. And uh, they, because of the report of the the theft, uh, they decided to search his car. Hey, kids. Know your rights. <laughs> <laughs> so they open the trunk, and this is the best part. They discover a toolbox shut with a padlock, sealed with duct tape. Okay, that's weird. The trunk also contained foil-wrapped cubes of mysterious gray powder, small disks, and cylindrical metal objects, and mercury switches. Yeah, he <laughs> as they're looking, he's like, guys, I just want to warn you, that stuff's radioactive. That, which is not one of the hey. things you say to the, you don't say it that way, I suppose, to the uh, officials. Both my best friends, they go, yeah, but this toolbox really sets me off. That's what they were most worried about. Well, they actually thought it was a bomb. They they, they thought it was a nuclear bomb. They yep. brought in the bomb squad. They actually talked in one of the interviews with his neighbor, Dottie Peace, and she said, as she turned down Pinto Drive, she saw 11 men swarming across her carefully manicured lawn. Their attention seemed to be focused on the backyard of the house next door, specifically on a large wooden potting shed that abutted the chain link fence dividing her property from her neighbors. Three of the men had donned ventilation moon suits and were proceeding to dismantle the potting shed with electric saws, stuffing the pieces of wood into large steel drums emblazoned with radioactive warning signs. She said she never noticed anything out of the ordinary at the house next door before that, except for the occasional explosion. Well, I mean, you could see like it was daytime at night, but other than that, it was completely normal. Here's the kicker, and I love this. On June 26, 1995, the Environmental Protection Agency designated Han's mother's property a Superfund hazardous materials cleanup site. This is what you get when you have nuclear waste spills or like reactor breaches and meltdowns. They dismantled the shed and its content and buried them as low-level radioactive waste in Utah. Time to update those HOA agreements. <laughs> right. I didn't so, do anything against the rules. So they bu- they buried his mother's shed in the same place they bury the waste that they have left over from various tests that they do on nuclear weapons. They said that they had to dig through almost four feet of old Atari ET cartridges to get to them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a kicker, though, right, John? His mom was, as she... She's a good mom! She was self-described before that she didn't exactly know what he was up to. So she was worried that the EPA might try to take her house. It is radioactive, so, you know, I want to stay here. So she went and collected all of the radioactive material that was still left in the house. Because remember, he had moved a lot of it inside and things like that. Well, And even before the shed... The EPA moves notoriously slow Mm -hmm. from the time he was arrested until the time they came out to do the cleanup was 10 months. Yeah. Like this stuff was this shit was just sitting there. 10 alarmingly long, dangerous months. No, and it's not like there's fences set up around it. Like, don't go here. Mm -hmm. It was all just sitting there. Yep. Uh, But eventually before they came, she knew they'd come back at some point. She said, screw it. I'm going to throw it all away. So she threw it in trash cans. In her trash. And had the trash people take it away. Yeah. Sadly, the local garbage men, Old Toothless and Glowy, were unable to be reached for comment. I don't know if those names are correct or not, but I like to think they are. So uh, Han, the kid, he goes, well, eh, that was terrible. They're like, listen, 
you have been bombarded with radiation. You need to come in. And he actually refused medical evaluation for radiation exposure, which I don't know how he can do being a kid. You would think his parents. Well, I guess in 96, though, he was born in in 77. So he would have been over 18. So he could, have, you know, by that time, EPA scientists believe that Han's life expectancy may have been or would have been greatly shortened by his exposure to this radioactive everything, materials and everything, partly since he spent long periods of times in this small enclosed shed with huge amounts of radioactive material and only minimal safety precautions. But he refused their 1995 recommendations that he be examined at the Enrico Fermi Nuclear Generating Station, where they actually could have helped him, they say. Instead, he goes, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm going to go about my business. But that's not where the story ends. And unfortunately, it takes a turn for the sadder. Uh, I I don't know that it's worse, but it is sadder. sadder. Um, And we'll get to that after the break on Hysteria 51. That's a hell of a interesting exam resume starter there for college, if you you would think. What did you do for your summer internship? Mommy, why does my skin itch when we walk past this house? (laughs) (laughs) They say that's what radiation does. Uh, It itches. Like, it tingles. Like, you can feel, like, little pinpricks and stuff. Not real... Uh, painful or anything like that until your skin sloughs and that's off. when it's really bad is when like you're like oh i can feel a little tingle yeah you're dead yeah. yeah not yet give it a little bit you know that's the that's the fun fun thing is that the word i'm looking for i don't think so <laughs> so what happened don't John? be so overly dramatic about it chuck what happened to david well, everything turned out great, and now he uh, he teaches lessons all across the world about how to be safe with nuclear material. John is full of shit. That dude dead. <laughs> he is dead. Uh, he he is passed, and 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 unfortunately, so um so is his mom. So let, let's just start there. She committed suicide not long after early ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen this confirmed anywhere, but there's a lot of speculation that she was schizophrenic, which obviously could lead to the, the well, mental instability, and then also. Uh, they say that she was terribly concerned. We said she was worried about uh, the EPA taking her home before, and that's why she threw away those materials. She was she was still concerned about the EPA taking, and it was a real possibility that they can just claim imminent domain. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's the right terminology here, but it, I it, think you just like uh, the, this is a disaster area, right? So where you're done, you know, mm-hmm. get compensation or anything like that. She was truly concerned about that as well, and for one reason, you know, whether it's that, whether it's a, a potential schizophrenia or other or mental illness, she unfortunately took her own life. Yeah, she did. Like you said, she had schizophrenia, she had depression. David had become depressed after the scandal, too, and a problem that actually got worse because he broke up with his girlfriend at the time. Then you got the suicide, like we said, of his mother on top of it. He did graduate from high school, but he lacked any real directions or plans at all. So his father and stepmother... They first encouraged him to attend Macomb Community College, and he did enroll in their metallurgy program, but he kind of just started skipping classes, didn't care about it. So they're like, well, all right, David, you got to do something. Join the military. So he enlists in the Navy, and he's assigned to, of all things, a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, the USS Enterprise. Oh, no. He's an undesignated seaman. And what could go wrong there? You know, just have him work around a nuclear reactor. But... uh, did did they not read his his bio? His dossier, <laughs> right? So he does a four year tour, and he achieved uh, interior communication specialist with a rank of petty officer, third class. If he had been if he had been listed as a pyromaniac as a child, right? Would they have put him in munitions? Right? Maybe <laughs> yeah, actually come that's on that point. So he did. He, he had hoped to pursue a career as a nuclear specialist. He didn't. After his time on the USS Enterprise, he then enlisted in the Marines and was stationed in Japan. And after a few years, he was honorably yeah, discharged. He a sniper, and he was he just had medical grounds for his discharge honorably. Like I said, and he returned to Michigan, and he kind of picked up where he left off, so to speak. Old habits they die hard. April twenty third, two thousand and seven, the FBI receives a lead regarding Han's alleged possession of a second breeder reactor in his freezer holy (laughs) shit so they know that this guy is capable of it they immediately storm his house to check nope they don't uh they contact him via telephone and he's like nope not true i don't have any radioactive material so they the fbi decided well he's of no threat nothing to worry about here we'll do a personal interview sometime in the future so then on may 16th of 2007 
Hans interviewed by an FBI office. They also discussed with him uh, flyers that had been distributed promoting his book and upcoming film. There was also theft of tires and rims from a vehicle prior to his Navy service. Talk about, you know, he was stealing more tires. And his diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia and a few other less significant topics. Fun. Fun is right. This guy's all over the spectrum of crazy in, in one way, you know, actual literally crazy and the crazy shit he's around. So then the FBI agents, they interviewed the informant. They didn't say who it was, who say that Han was using cocaine heavily, was not taking his prescribed medication, and then Han was paranoid of people that he claimed had the ability to shock his genitals with their mind. Yeah, he thought that people um could read his mind as he was walking by them on the street. That's kind of where the paranoid schizophrenia steps in. Right, right. Oh, and he was frequenting prostitutes. So there is that. Why have to throw that in? Why is that? Matter? <laughs> I mean, tires and prostitutes, they go hand in hand for whatever reason. So that informant also said that, that he thought Han was still trying to build a reactor and was collecting radium. He uh, he also said that he did not believe Han had any intentions of hurting anyone, but was just concerned for his mental state. Right. Because, you know, the last time he didn't hurt anyone who was exposed to all that radiation. That's <laughs> It's true. The investigation actually led to Han getting arrested for stealing smoke alarms. Yeah, Larson, it's kind of great. He, he goes into this apartment building and he takes all the smoke detectors. Well, guess what? He gets caught. And his intention was, again, to obtain the americium from them. And this is the famous picture. And I'm, I'm going to use this picture for the, the profile picture or, or, or the episode photo. In his mugshot, his face is covered with sores. And investigators at that time believed that they could possibly be from exposure to the radioactive materials. Later, he didn't have sores. Other pictures previously, it looks like he might have had them also. So it could have been an ongoing thing. They don't know. You know, he also could have been cooking meth. You know what I mean? It had that kind of look to it. It was, yeah, it was really uh, bad. It, it could be a, <laughs> a mixture therein as right. well. I mean, the the, rea- the reality is he played with a lot of radioactive materials for a long time. And he refused any sort of anyone stepping in to find out what kind of long-term exposure he had done to his body. So he pleads guilty to larceny, tempted larceny. He was going to steal these things out of this building. And the court's online docket actually said prosecutors recommended that he be sentenced to time served and enter an inpatient treatment facility because he needed help. But under the terms of the plea, the original uh, charge of larceny of a building would be dismissed. And uh, scheduled for October 14th, he was sentenced to 90 days in jail for the attempted larceny. More run-ins with the law. And then, sadly... On Tuesday, September 27th of 2016, at the age of 39, Han accidentally, due to intoxication from the combined effects of alcohol and fentanyl, did die. Now, there's also people that go, no, he was killing himself because he was hurting because of radiation sickness. That's all conjecture. Yeah, yeah, but the... the the lab results on his blood mm-hmm. say that they found three things: alcohol, diphenhydramine, and fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, his alcohol at the time of his death, his um, alcohol level point four one four. So I that believe. is death right there. Right. Like you, you can die from that. Um, and they said he was at the store grocery shopping. That means that he is always drunk. That is his advanced alcohol. Syndrome. Like if one of us had a had a point four something other than Cbot. Thank you. <laughs> Other than see it, you're welcome. What's um, what we would just we wouldn't be able to function. We wouldn't be speaking. Right now, what's diphenhydramine? I, I didn't uh, look it up. You, it's um, it's for allergies. It's uh, an allergy okay, 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 okay. So I don't. I, which, I have no which idea. Makes what, you sleepy as fuck. I would think, man. I don't, I don't know, know how this know guy was, was functioning. I don't know if he was popping Sudafed or whatever allergy medication that's in, or if that's a function of. Something else, like mixing that with something else, make something. Else. I have right. no idea. I just, I mean, they do they. Is that the same stuff they use in crystal meth? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Nation chime in. <sighs> anyway, uh, he's, he's he, yeah. he passed away. Um, he. We wonder if he was sick from the radiation. But how either sick way, was he? Do you think he, he was exposing himself to a thousand times a level that's bad for you? For long periods of time, you got to think his life was probably running short anyway. No, there's no question. And I also think that what led to his death was probably an amalgam of things. 
right. lot of people turning a blind eye and letting someone run loose. You know, lack the, of obviously the the mental health issues. Right, right. Um, I was also, say lack of caring. Yeah, there is a certain IQ that you have to have to be building a nuclear reactor in your teen years. Did we ever nail down how old he was when he was doing that? Well, it was from like fourteen to seventeen. 18, yeah, I just don't know when he actually I mean, built the thing. If, he he was messing with his things for over a few years. The point is that no matter if he was fourteen, sixteen, or eighteen, you have to be really effing smart to do that kind of thing. People that are of that intelligence level sometimes have a hard time coping with other aspects of their What's life. What's funny is he wasn't a good student. He would flunk all his classes. But science, straight A's. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Einstein and, wasn't and, a good student either. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny how those things work. Um, but speaking of genius, Brent, I don't think that we should end the show uh, on such a sad note. Cause this is sad. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a cool story at first, and mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. And then when you get to, by the end of it, it's like, well... He was likely rotting. He died of alcohol overdose and his mother committed suicide. Like that's it's not a fun story. No. So I want to talk about the way it it can go right. The non nefarious nuclear boy scout. <laughs> yes, yes. Now this gentleman was not necessarily a boy scout, but no, I think no. the I think the the term still applies. He's actually amazing. He's not a teenager anymore. He's like 24 now, but there's a guy named Taylor Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Wilson built his first nuclear reactor at the age of 14. Mm-hmm. The big difference is that Taylor he did it in his parents' dining room. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out 1960s vibrators full of uranium. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. Uh, The way they describe him on Wikipedia is an American nuclear physics enthusiast and science advocate. In 2008, at age 14, he became the youngest person to produce nuclear fusion using a fuser. A few other things to note. He and his brother, by the way, both went to the Davidson School, Davidson Academy of Nevada. That's one of those like Xavier school for the gifted children. Right. Like you have to, you have to be smarter than all the smart people to go there. Illinois math and science Academy, stuff like that, where they and, handpick you to go. And not like from all across the country, like literally his parents moved there. So he, he and his brother could go and his parents, when they interview his parents, like, yeah, we don't know where that came from. We're just kind of average. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, he concurrently went to college during that. He didn't go on to get a further degree because he just started his own company. He's gone on to give TED Talks. Uh, we're, we're actually going to listen to uh, part of one of his TED Talks here. This kid is, keep an eye out for this guy. This guy is, I, like he's like the next Elon Musk. He's brilliant. There's an interesting dichotomy to be had here. Like you, you've seen, I've seen interviews with his parents. Now, who knows? They could beat him and behind closed doors. But <laughs> the, the, the impression you get is like these people were really, really active and involved in his childhood. Well, guess what? They took him somewhere that said, okay, you can figure this out in a safe environment surrounded right. by, by professionals in a college and you can, we can work this out together. So they, it just feels like they kept an eye on him the whole time and said, let's, let's encourage this genius but let's encourage it in the right way. My name is Taylor Wilson. I am 17 years old, and I am a nuclear physicist. This is a few years ago. may be a little hard to believe, but I am. Um, And I would like to make the case that uh, nuclear fusion will be that point that the bridge that T. Boone Pickens talked about will get us to. So nuclear fusion is our energy future. And the second point, making the case that kids can really change the world. So uh, you may ask how do... (laughs) Bleak, bring it on, baby. You may ask me, well, how do you know what our energy future is? Well, I built a fusion reactor when I was 14 years old. That is the inside of my nuclear fusion reactor. I started building this project Mm. when I was about 12 or 13 years old. I decided I wanted to make a star. Now, most of you are probably saying, oh, (laughs) Oh my God, he watched Spider-Man 3 or 2 or whatever. (laughs) Remember? I don't see any nuclear power plants with fusion energy. Well, it doesn't break even. It doesn't produce more energy out than I put in. But it still does some pretty cool stuff. And I assembled this uh, in my garage, and it now lives in the physics department of the University of Nevada, Reno. And I've uh, developed a system to produce medical isotopes. Instead of requiring multi-million dollar facilities, I've developed a device that on a very small scale can produce these isotopes. So that's my fusion reactor in the background there. Along with my Pokemon collection. the control panel of my fusion reactor. Oh, by the way, I make yellow cake in my garage, so my nuclear program is as advanced as the Iranian. Easy bake. Wow. Maybe maybe don't want to admit to that. 
This is me at CERN in Geneva, Switzerland, which is the preeminent particle physics laboratory in the world. And this is me no shade on President Fermi Obama showing him my <laughs> homeland security research. So it's actually Michael so Obama. So in, in about seven years of doing nuclear research, I started out with a dream to make a star in a jar, a star in my garage. And I end up meeting the president and developing things that I think can change the world. And I think other kids can, too. So thank you very much. In a part that we didn't listen to, he talked about how he, um, the government spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on this certain type of instrument that can detect certain things in nuclear testing. I, they and, look for isotopes. And he, um, he created one for like pocket change in his garage. <laughs> uh, that they can outfit all Homeland Security teams with. Yeah. 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 Well, you know. And now he owns his own company. He's, he's like 24 now, I think. And just building stuff that no one ever dreamed of, trying to make nuclear power feasible and safer. He seems so nice, so young, so smart. That dude is evil. Like, that guy is going to one day. <laughs> you want a Skull Island? This yeah. is how you get a Skull Island. Castle Grayscale. That is just goes to show if you nurture instead of ignore what you can get when you have a mind that's, well... He also doesn't seem to suffer from schizophrenia or things like yeah, that. Yeah, th- there were some other mitigating circumstances there, but it's, it was either way. I just wanted to end the show with a really cool up note of like, check out this guy, check out what he's doing. And he was also building nuclear reactors mm-hmm. at 14. So we were talking about that before, too. They weren't looking for people that are trying to make reactors. Like I said, Homeland Security analysts say that it would have taken two million smoke detectors to make a dirty bomb. Could this happen today? Forget the dirty mom. Do you think something like this could slip through the cracks again? Or are people looking out for things like this now? The way that David Hahn went about it is the way a kid would go about it. Mm-hmm. Let me collect all of these things. And and after a couple of years of efforting, I might have just a little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. to, to run an experiment with. I think it'd be a lot easier for a terrorist to just go to the black market and buy a solid block of something bad to go. Guy that I know just made a fake nuclear bomb out of shoddy pinball parts in order to get his hands on some nuclear material. What is that a reference to? It's Doc Brown, man. Come on. Keep up. Keep up. Sorry. Great Scott. (laughs) Sometimes I just, I lose track. Um, of you, I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, for me, I think could this happen again? Could a kid do it again? Maybe if they went to like antique stores, but I, I, I don't. Th- I'm not worried ab- about terrorists collecting the hundreds of thousands of smoke detectors. No, no, no. The black market is definitely where they would go. For yeah, that. I think so too. And I don't think that um, this is a, a a lot of things had to fall into order for this to ever be able to happen, and unfortunately, it did. And one of those things is parents that kind of just let someone. Leave them to their own devices, which I don't think is that uncommon. The uncommon part is his drive to do something so out of the ordinary that it could have caused the death and still could of a lot of people. Unfortunately, these people might develop cancer. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing day. we don't know. The the parent, uh, or the, the father and stepmother, the neighbors. the neighbors, the trash men, literally the trash men could could suffer adverse effects and uh, chances are they won't because they didn't have like such direct exposure for so long but that that's why you have to be careful with your nuclear material kids yep so what say you do you guys think that that you know this could happen do you blame the parents do you blame david do you blame society for just taking a back seat and letting kids do what they want or was he doing you know just things that he had every right to do and uh, we should nourish that like they did well, with taylor point. he did nothing illegal he never got charged with anything because they couldn't find a crime he committed. He did impersonate other people, which I think is technically illegal. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, th- th- at least from a nuclear substances perspective, every uh, yeah, everything he had was everything legal. in right. place, every law in place is for actual organizations, not mm-hmm. for individuals. Right. Uh, right. And so they, he, they literally couldn't find a law. The nuclear Regulatory had. Committee really didn't have children on their, <laughs> their mind <laughs> exactly. when they're coming up with stuff. So tell us, Nation. How can they tell us, John? Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. That's our Facebook discussion group where you can join in on the conversation and let us know what you think. Also, there's Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. At Twitter, at Hysteria51Pod. We're on Snapchat. We're on Instagram. Patreon.com 
slash hysteria 51 you can find lots of extra extra up all nights as we call them episodes also you can hear our favorite audio dramas get specific pictures hear bumpers that weren't used that's one i released recently john bumpers and things that were never used on the show some of them are god awful <laughs> i mean they are uh, now or some are awfully amazing awfully amazing is uh, not the word i would use if you want to hear yourself on the show, you can send us a voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. we got tons of those we're going to be getting to in future episodes. And you can find all of this on our webpage, hysteria51.com. .com. Tell a friend. Tell them about the show. Give them a listen. If you haven't We'd told your you. parents yet, tell them. You know what? Make them engaged in your life so that you don't turn into a David Hahn. Because the last thing we need is you sitting in a potting shed listening to us and causing a ruckus. <laughs> That's what we're trying to avoid. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh. If it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.